Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. On today's show, ladies, with Christine Jefferson, uh, she runs uh, a business that focuses on buying apartment complexes. She has, has has quite a story, if you will, and we get into her story quite a bit on today's episode. Um, I'm going to just share with you what I think is one of the most powerful things we go through is how to vet a syndicator and really ask the right questions to figure out if you want to invest with various syndicators across the country. It's such a, we get into some great tips and strategies around this, not just like what's their track record, but really specific things you need to know before you passively invest with these folks. So I think you'll get a lot from that conversation today. Yeah, then Christine, she was a stay-home mom. She rehabbed a couple of properties and now she and her partner, they own a thousand and four hundred uh, yeah. units and super successful, but things have not been easy for her. She had a major failure. And one thing that she, she talks about is really taking responsibility for that. And she turned it around, learn about herself, clear vision, respecting her path. And now she's where she is right now. She's not done. Her journey continues, but it's a very genuine uh, path. And, and she is very open to share all what she has done that led her to be where she is right now. So enjoy this episode. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes, but how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show, where we are on a mission and a, a passion and everything in between to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. So thank you for coming back with us, right? And sharing another week with us to discover and uncover all the wonderful things that our next woman that we're interviewing is going to share with us. And we have Christine Jefferson on our show today. So Christine, thank you so much for making time to be on our show. I know we've been working on this for a while. So thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you, Liz. And thank you, Andressa, for having me. I appreciate it. Hello and hello, ladies listening. Yeah, we're excited to have her on. Uh, Christine's got an amazing story. So we're gonna we're gonna jump into that in just a moment. But as we always like to do for the women who have been with us on this journey for what, over a hundred episodes now, right, Andressa? Yeah, um, we are like 150 plus. 
But we're, uh, we're coming up. This is released. Yeah, yeah. We're coming up to our anniversary. So stay tuned for some very fun things we'll be doing for that. <laughs> I don't know what those are yet, but we'll be doing something really cool. <laughs> um, we're just taking one step at a time. But we, you know, for the women who are uh, this, you're you're coming back to us. Thank you so much for the women who are new. This is your maybe your first time listening to our show. Thank you for for being here with us because I know there's so many amazing, amazing podcasts out there and things you can be doing with your time. So thank you for spending time with us. We take that very seriously and. Uh, we appreciate you. So we always like to start our shows before we jump into the, 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 the fantastic women we interview. A quick little story, a quick little um, tip, a quick little learning, because we're on this journey with you. So for us to be sitting here saying, hey, we know everything. And, uh, you know, we don't come from that place at all. If you know either myself or Andressa, we're pretty authentic. We're pretty real. And we deal with stuff every day, just like you do. So uh, so our quick little story, and then we jump into the interview. So Andressa is going to be on today. What would you like to share share with us today? Here's what I want to share with with all of you that are listening, right? As we surround ourselves with a community of women that are in the same journey towards financial freedom on our own terms, we're going to read books. We're going to listen to podcasts. We're just going to shake how we think, how we behave, right? And we're just going to become our best self, whatever that is that is for you. And one thing that I just want to like not warn you, but warn you is that oh. as you become your best self, bad things are going to happen. <laughs> oh. Okay. But hear me out. It's not bad. It's actually a blessing. And that's how I want you to see it. I'll give you a very quick example, right? As you put structure in your business, you put standard procedures in your business, that general contractor that just do halfway and just cut corners is not going to work out anymore. It's just not going to work. So when things are not working because you are growing yourself and your business, you will have to rearrange things. And you might think, oh, my gosh, I've been working with this person for so long. And it seems that things are not going right. Actually, they are going right because now the universe is giving an opportunity for you to fulfill that spot with the right person to where you are at right that was a good match at that in the past where you were at personally your business but as you grow think about it that things are going to shift around your team might shift around even friends, right? That you might not, oh my gosh, you're going to hang out with different people. It's not that you're like, oh my gosh, I have this friendship for 20 years. I don't want to just dump it. Absolutely not. But you're going to have different types of friendships that will support you to where you are at right now. Because otherwise, you're not going to have conversations with folks that are not on the same path as you, right? It's just does. It, it, it won't serve neither them and neither neither you. So as things happen, just you know, thank the universe because it is a blessing. I love it, and that always doesn't it doesn't always feel that way. No, of course not. <laughs> but uh, but that's really good, really good advice as we navigate you know tough or challenging things and know there's something great on the other side. So good good insight here. Uh, so Christine, without further ado. Love to jump into your story and love to jump into uh, your just really fantastic path here that you've had. And, and I'm sure it hasn't been all rosy colored, you know, uh, perfectness, <laughs> um, just like all of our paths. Right. So um, and we always like to sh start with the women we interview with. What propelled you to get involved in, in investing in real estate? Yes, uh, great question. And uh, Andressa, that's, I see myself in your story. What you exactly said, I'm like, that's me. <laughs> that's me. It's very true. I, 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 if you haven't failed, you haven't been doing it long enough and, and you learn from failures and, or, and, and maybe not even failures, but really a lot of crazy speed bumps and roadblocks. And what's make you stronger and come out stronger on the other end and realize looking back, like me looking back now, I'm like, I don't think I would have changed anything because I might not be where I am today. Mm. Um, so, and it's funny you mentioned contractor and shortcuts. So I started, did you want me to go ahead? Yes, and yes, go ahead. Because <laughs> what you just said, Andressa, made me think of a story I, I, I'd like to share. Okay, so I was a stay-at-home mom for... I have two kids. They're, they're older now. One's first year in college and one's a junior in high school. Um, so when my 
youngest was in preschool. I'm like, I knew I, and I stayed at home all the, all the years when my daughter was born. So I was a stay at home mom for many years. I knew at one point in time, I'd have to go back to work um, to start contributing um, income to the family. So when my son was in preschool, I'm like, I, I do want to go back to work. I, well, not really, but I wanted to be my own boss and I wanted to set my own hours and I wanted to be in control of what I was doing. Um, so I was actually bringing my son to a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. And when I got out of my car, I looked in the back seat of the car I parked next to. And in the back seat was a book by Donald Trump and Robert Kiyosaki. And it's why we want you to be rich. I'm like, huh, <laughs> it just was like, a, a just a lightning struck me moment. I'm like, I gotta get that book. So a couple of days later, I went to the library and I checked it out and I read it uh, cover to cover. And then that was it. I'm like real estate investing. That was the one book that got me started. And then I checked out multiple multiple, multiple books um, from the library for the next couple of years. So while he was in preschool, I educated myself on real estate investing. So when he started kindergarten and I took a couple of seminars and I also got a mentor and I think it's really important to get as educated as you can. Um, and I also believe that mentors are very um, important and also having support systems. So when I started, there wasn't meetups or um, podcasts or any, anything. I started you know, in 2006 reading. My first purchase was in 2008 um, and I still have that now, but I did many, many years of uh, that's why I started in residential real estate. Um, I did everything from lease options to buy and hold, um, buy, buy, fix, hold, sell. I did a lot of fix and flips. Um, so I live in the Northern Virginia area and I did a bulk of my fix and flips in Baltimore. Hmm. Um, and, the, and so going back to the story you said, Andressa, I had um, one of my properties that I was doing, uh, it took, I mean, and, and everything, no matter what, you, you can't have all three in a contractor, right? You can't have <laughs> cheap on time and on budget. Like no. two of the three, that's great. So, um, <laughs> and, I, and I've gone through my share of contractors. But anyway, so I had one, I was doing one in Baltimore and my kids are in school. I drive up while they're in school during the day. Hopefully they like, you know, didn't get sick or need me. <laughs> It was a 75 mile drive one way. Wow. Um, so my, so the house was for sale. We finally got through it. The contractor like ripped me off on something um, about needing like a French drain put in because the basement flooded after I finished the house mm. um, and he didn't do it. So anyway, we, there was a, a family exploring the house, looking to buy. And I get a call from the realtor like um, the deck just collapsed on us when we were wow. house to buy. Thankfully, it was only like five feet up in the air. So it wasn't a high deck, um, but it did collapse. And everybody, it was like a, a group of like six people. Um, and they all went on the deck at the same time and it collapsed. So, um, so, I was, so I was getting sued because of that. Thankfully, I had builder's risk insurance policy and that took care of everything. I just had to pay a deductible on every person, but it took care of everything. And my contractor was ultimately the one that my insurance company went after. But there's always going to be like there, like there's always going to be something. Um, it, they're just so. Um, so I'm doing all this stuff. Okay, I've been sued, um, and that I mean that was a pro, that was like a six eight month process, the house did sell, but, and I had to get a new deck, which wasn't in my budget. So anyway, um, so I'm doing all these things. I'm doing all this fix and flip in Baltimore. I find one closer to my house and I decided to do um, a, an addition to the house. It was like a $230,000 renovation. And I added um, a garage and two bedrooms to this house. And I did all of this um, residential by myself. Like it was just me. Um, and then the people I hired, you know, the contractor, um, yeah, pretty much the contractor. Um, but yeah, so ev everything was just me. I was a solo. Preneur. Yeah. Doing everything, the budgets, the system, you know, er er everything. Um, and I was doing that um, 
$230,000 um, renovation. And I'm like, oh, this is so much money. Why am I not doing a teardown rebuild? Mm-hmm. Um, which are very popular in the kind of the area I live in called McLean. It was like, a, it's in high, higher end um, area where the new builds sell between 1.5 and 2 million and up. So I'm like, okay, let me just do that. So I did. Um, thinking bigger, better, big, go home, you know, <laughs> go home. And I did that and it took, it took me, uh, it took everything out of me. It took the wind out of my sail. I mean, I did that for, it was a, a year and a half or so project. I'm carrying the property, you know, my is like $10,000 a month. I'm sorry. Yeah. $10,000 a month. Um, so it's, it's a lot, it's, it's a lot of carrying costs. Again, I'm doing this all by myself. I'm out of money. You know, it snows. I'm driving a half hour to shovel the driveway because mm. I have any money to die or someone to shovel it. I mean, I'm there like watering the lawn. I, it's just like, it, it, and it drained me and it drained me and it was a big loss um, for me. And I just felt so like, I was so defeated and it was a very um it was a moment that brought me to my knees um it was a moment that I really um really also relied on God and came really close to God through this whole process um I was before but this really strengthened my relationship because I'm like I can't do it anymore yeah you know Jesus way over me because I cannot do this so finally it sold you know, I owe a lot of money. I lost a lot of money. And uh, I had my realtor license be just because um, it's easier to do that when you're doing fix and flips, you have access to the MLS. And so mm-hmm. I guess I'll be a real estate agent. Well, you know, what else am I going to do? My single family days are like done. And um being a realtor was like, okay, but it wasn't, there's nothing wrong with it, but it wasn't the path that I wanted to take. And I'm like, I, I wasn't put through all of that. <sighs> like, there's no way that God put me through all of that to end up in a, to, to be a realtor, which is fine. But it, I just don't think I went through all of that for that. And apartment investing was always on my mind. I did buy books, but I hadn't read them yet. I'm like, <sighs> you know what, this, is this, first of all, I have to pay myself out of the debt and it was a lot of money. And I'm like, how am I going to do that? You know, being a, a, a realtor, I didn't see the potential that I needed um, to pull myself out of debt. So um, while I was doing the realtor thing, I, I started all over again, just like I did for fix and flips and residential and getting all the books out in the library um, now this time I'm getting all the books out on apartment investing and I'm learning about apartment investing and, and being an agent was like, kind of like, I didn't look forward to it. And then as, start, as soon as I started doing apartment investing, learning about that, it got me excited again mm. and being back in the real estate world, um, because there was a time a point in time where I backed away from going to, um, so when I did my, and I'll get to this in a minute, but when I did my fix and flip, um, all the money I raised through private investors and through so you had a skill with that <clears throat> and emailing. So when I did the apartment, inve- so when I was an agent for about a year or a year and a half before I got into apartment investing, I got out of the world of real estate investing. Cause there's a, you know, there's a network, there's a world that gets intertwined and you meet people who know people. And, and I removed myself from that for a time period when I was an agent, um, thinking that that's what I was going to be for the rest of my life uh, until apartment investing came along. And, um, I knew someone from the single family days of fix and flip who, um, just started doing apartment investing education so I called, I called him and I'm like, <laughs> told him my story. And um, I'm like, I, I, I just got to move towards apartment investing. Um, so I, I got educated. I'm like, I'm all in, like I'm all, there is no plan B for me. This is it. Like, yeah. this is what I have to do. This is what I have to succeed in. There's no turning back. 
Um, and so I, I, I got educated, I got a mentor and I, you know, uh, paid for that. And we did, I did a year of mentorship and, and um, I can go on my story about how, how I got started in apartment investing. Um, but yeah, so here I am, I think 2017 was when I started wanting to educate myself. I think I started July of 2017 with a mentor. Um, and now uh, my partner and I have raised about $24 million and we have about 1400 units spread across six or seven properties. I know I'm sure Jess has got a few questions yeah. up her sleeves and I do too. So I'll yeah, let you go. go. I'm going to be kind and let you go. <laughs> no, I think we can, we can dissect this in so many different ways, right? As, as you were saying, it was not like, oh, he installed the wrong pipe, right? Your, 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 your pain was also your biggest lesson. And I think that either can, without faith, it can break you. And you're like, oh, this is not for me. It's for whatever people. And then you go on a different path. So I don't want to commend you and to continue your journey because you are an example for other women because they're going to listen to this and think about you and say, okay, she lost a lot over there, right? And, and, and then you still striving. And the other thing that I want to point is that you're saying that there's no plan B. And I think that, a lot of people do not succeed in real estate because they have plan B, C, D to fall um, if something happened. So they don't go full force. So burn the freaking bridge, burn the bridge and just, just go. My question to you is that when you did your, when, it seems like the same, the same one-on-one -on -one path. You got educated, you got a mentor, and then you, you went through it. Um, what what are the, the lessons for the people that are looking to into syndications right now? Because you did have a background of single families, new construction. So that not made your skin thicker, but you know, in order for you to analyze the deal. So one of the biggest questions that we have on our Facebook community about people that are looking to invest, they never invested anywhere. So would you recommend them to do a couple of things first, smaller size, and then get into um, syndication or start it as a passive investor in syndication? What, what is your opinion for them to really get involved with apartment complexes, for example? Sure. Yes. Um, you do not need to start residential. You can go straight to multifamily. Um, and here's why I just want to back up and also say that I've, I've had an incredibly supportive husband through this whole, <laughs> through my whole roller coaster journey too. So um, I just want to shout out to my amazing, he has not, he has nothing to do with real estate. He has no interest in real estate, <laughs> <laughs> but he backs me hundred percent. So um so he's been wonderful. So um, you do not need to start in residential to do multifamily. Um, for you, you don't. It's a different ball game. It's a totally different ball game. It's as if saying I'm going to start residential and then to do self storage. Like they're so different. Syndication is different than than buying a house, fixing it. Sell. Like it's it's just so different. Um, and do you need a realtor license to do uh, multifamily? I've heard that before. No, absolutely not. Um, especially because, well, my partner and I have 100 and above units. If you're probably doing four and under, perhaps, but you, you learn nothing as a realtor, even to do residential flips. The only bonus is maybe saving commission if you're doing uh, residential and the access to the MLS or, or whatever. You have multiple listing service. Um, so as far as starting and investing, um, I always say if you have the money to invest, um, a great place to start is as a passive investor um, with a sponsor that you, um, you can trust. So being a passive investor, you just have that back, the other side experience, you get to read through, uh, well, you get to see how uh, 
the process. If you're interested in one day becoming an active investor, an active investor, a general partner, and you're participating actively, you're not just sitting back as a passive investor collecting the distributions and equity. So uh, as a um, passive investor, you're still, you still have an opportunity to see what the sponsor's going, going through and how they're looking at the deal, the business plan of the property and understanding multifamily on another level, um, looking through all of the legal documents, obviously you'd be investing in a syndication for the m most part. So you're looking through all the, the legal documents that's required um, in a syndication. You get to view that. You get to see um, how the sponsor communicates in the reports and the financials of the property. If you do, if you do have money to invest um, outside of, you know, stock market and you want to get a good return, I strongly suggest passive investing. And we do have a lot of passive investors that are, that this is their first time investing in multifamily. And they're also interested in becoming an active investor one day. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What are, what are some like red flags? So, you know, what are some red flags that, you know, I'm listening to this and saying, you know, I'm, I'm evaluating three sponsors right now. Obviously I want to know their track record. I want to know more about the deal, but like, what are some things that like, if they say or do this are some red flags is me as the passive investor that I'm like, need to, um, you know, stop in my tracks. Cause not all sponsors are created equal. Not all syndicators, you and I know that are created equal. Some people literally wake up and start raising money for apartment complexes and know nothing about real estate. And no one on their team knows a lot about real estate. And that's scary. And there are people that are out there doing that right now. So we got to brace these women with some really good questions and some things so they don't get taken, right? So what are some like red flags that women need to be mindful of as they're, you know, vetting sponsors? Yes. Uh, well, first, it, the, and the person raising the capital can be different than the sponsor. So really need to know the, the sponsor, the operator of the property itself, who, who's, who's the, the person who's going to be doing the asset management, the, data, the, the, the true operator of the property. Um, so knowing that, because it can be different than the person who's raising the money for it. Um, once you know the sponsor, find out a little bit more about the sponsor, how many um, deals have they purchased before? Um, have they gone through a full cycle? Like have they bought and sold and how did that sale compare to the projections? Um, it, it, listen to, I mean, most sponsors when they're having um, a raise have a webinar on the property itself and go over the business plan of the property. Um, it, so go ahead and listen to that, find out more, get a feel for the sponsor from that and how confident they sound in the property. Um, it's also important to make sure, especially now, um, not now, but even before now, I mean, that 
enough money is in reserves for rainy day money. Like again, we buy a hundred units and above, and we always have several hundred thousand dollars yep. in a rainy day account just sitting there for cases like you never know COVID. <laughs> I mean, beforehand and, and thankfully we're not needing to tap into it, but you never know what's going to happen. So we like to have a healthy reserve account. Um, if you're going into a property and they, do not have, and you'll see it in the underwriting. You don't need to know the ins and the outs of the underwriting. There are sponsors that can massage the numbers so that they look good, but you really don't know the formulas behind the numbers. Um, they could say it's whatever return crazy. They could say it's a 20% IRR, which is un really would be incredibly awesome. Deal. But if they say that you want to make sure, well, Oh, but they're doing rent bumps at 4% consistently every year, which isn't realistic. Sure. So being educated a little bit, but actually trusting the sponsor is most important. Um, you know, maybe you can call a couple of investors that invested with the sponsor and get some um, testimonials or feedback yeah. or, um, from that. So uh, just... Um, and I've had actually several calls with people who are like running the circuit of looking for sponsors to invest with. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have these kind of calls too. Um, yeah. And I always say, you know, you're not committed. You're not committed to investing with us. First of all, we, you know, nine times out of 10, we do a, a raise where we have to have a relationship first. So even if we had something, you can't invest in it now. We have to establish our relationship. And then, so then they get to us over time, know how we work, know how we operate. Um, by the time we have our webinar on our, our, uh, a webinar on our deal, um, and we have an uh, educational webinar too that we share with people, mostly who call me and I'll share a link because my business partner and I have a, a webinar. Um, so yeah. over time, establishing the trust relationship. Yeah, just want to follow up because I, I'm now fascinating more than ever with underwriting processes. So I am like, but it, it sounds like, okay, if you talk to one sponsor, they run in a different way than the other one runs a different way. So going back to your one-on-one way of doing things, uh, I feel that even if you're a passive investor, you shouldn't know a little bit of how to, a little bit, no, you should know how to interpret those numbers because otherwise they mean nothing. They really mean nothing. As you said, if the numbers will look very good, if the bump up is like 4%, if the expenses look a little, you know, iffy or very little close to none, the vacancy, it's also a little off. Um, so um, I do believe that, you know, understanding or really understanding how to interpret because the underwriting will be different. And, and one thing that I think will be helpful is to, and I want to hear your opinion on this. I would like to know like, okay, show me your past, your past investment, right? Show me how you want to write it. You want to wrote that and what it compares it with the reality. If you're off or not, because I feel it's just, we are navigating different times right. right now with COVID. So is that there as like, okay, a cushion or extra? Are you guys, so my question to you is, are you guys doing anything different with the underwriting regarding COVID? Uh, not particularly because we were conservative going into it. So it's pretty much the same um, as before. Um, I mean, rent project, we're still conservative on our rent projections. There are um, some sponsors like do 100% of the entire apartment complex rent increase for the year where we phase it in because it's not realistic to turn a property. It, the properties we buy usually need some value add. They have a business plan we're upgrading and it's not possible to do the whole entire, uh, all the units in one yeah. year because you, we have tenants and their lease needs to end and then the unit needs to become vacant and then we renovate it. So it's a phased in process. So, um, so that's part of our conservative rent rate that we always have done and always will do COVID or no COVID. 
Um, our, our properties, um, knock on wood, they, I mean, if you look at them, you look at the numbers, you look at the collections, you wouldn't even be able to tell that COVID was a thing. Mm-hmm. So we've been, we've been fortunate that way. Um, it's, it's been very well. Yeah. We did buy a property and closed in March at the very end of March, just as like this explosion of COVID was like, it, like crazy and the unknown of it. And so our lender did require us to have a year's worth of interest in the bank. Mm-hmm. So thankfully we've already rate, we already had our, in our reserves. So we've already planned on it in our underwriting. We already raised for it. It's just, it was just, it's just now being held by the bank. Got him. But we already, yeah. and then we raised a little bit of above and beyond that too. So it was already, it was already there. Um, but you know, lenders are being a little, um, I guess, stricter yep. having interest reserve. So I love those. I love those suggestions. And obviously I'm in a, um, we have, you know, experience in syndication as well and apartment building complexes and things. And I, I wanted to share one quick follow-up to what you said, just as a, as a tip, you know, I think in a lot of ways when people are evaluating sponsors, they don't always realize there's like a team behind them. And I think that's one of the most important things as an evaluator, because there's very rare that one person is literally doing the underwriting raising the money, <laughs> operating the asset. Um, it's just rare. I, I actually know a couple, but I don't know a lot, you know? And I think you want to know the team behind them because if they're raising money and they're talking to you, they're probably not doing all the operating. If they're a really good capital raiser, they probably aren't. They probably know enough, but they probably aren't doing all the intricacies. So you want to know who is doing that because when it comes down to it, underwriting and this and that, who is asset managing and asset managing is what a fancy way of saying managing the asset. You're not necessarily going to the asset and, and you know vetting tenants, but you're really managing the property manager and making sure it's it's aligned with the business plan, right? That asset manager, whoever ha- is doing that, I think is one of the most important people and roles that that run syndications, hands down. Um, and you got to know who they are. And most importantly, you want to ask the sponsor: Do they have experience with this type of asset? Because not all assets are created equal. Some people invest in properties that are like this beautiful area, and other people, uh, you know, are, are big into value add and go into a tougher area. You know, that really they got to you know pull up the sleeves and really make it make it turn make a huge turnaround. Um, do they have experience doing that? You know, does the asset manager have experience? Does the property manager have experience? I can't tell you how important that is. So I just wanted to mention that because I know personally from experience how important it is when you it's like you're you're you know apples and oranges and and you know uh it's just not all created equal so what kind of asset and do these people have experience in that asset class that is so so important and turning it around or not so very good liz is that spot on it's very important um it and it is impossible to succeed in multifamily without partners it's just not, it, and nor would it, you want to invest in a one-man show. Yeah. There, and, then, and then they have more than one, but it's just not, first of all, it's not possible to even get a loan. If you're Absolutely. Yeah. For scale. what we're looking for. So it's just, you do need to partner up, which is what I was looking for after doing um, all my residential and being the solo panor for years and years and years. I'm like, I want to, I don't want to do this by myself anymore. I want to partner with someone, which is how I, 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 oh my gosh, my partner is amazing. I am so blessed we met. Um, he, uh, so he's a master underwriter and he does, he had experience um, before I met him. So, and then we partnered together and we've just um, done well since we've partnered up. Um, and then going forward, we're just in, increasing, but knowing the team behind the deal too is, is key. And that's, you know, something that should be brought up during an acquisition or a phone call with an investor, like, yeah. who do you have? Who's your property manager? What kind of assets do you look for? Like you said, Liz, um, yeah. you know, how high level a, a is super nice or a value add C property in a workforce house area and, and your experience in that. And it's all you can you can even buy 
it's different with residential where it's your, your money's made in the purchase with multifamily. It, it, yeah, you can pay maybe a little more than you should. You don't want to, but the money's made during that management and, and yep. following the business plan of the property where the money's made. Yep. Um, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, Christine, I, I actually really want to circle back on something that you've done that so many women want to do in that you pivoted, not that you just pivoted and like had this, like you, you, you flipped the house, you made all this money. You're like, you know what? That was great. I did really well there. Now I'm going to go into this completely different business, but you, you were like, literally like had one of your toughest deals that happened to you. You said you were on your hands and knees, right? You said that a moment ago. And like, I, I envisioned so many women have these situations because I've been there and I question, should we stay in and like how many times my husband and I have talked about it over the 15 years we've been doing this. Should we, you know, or especially early on when we were just doing things we shouldn't have been doing, not illegally, of course, but just making wrong calls on things. Should we stay in this business? Like, and then you get really, you get really second guessing, even pivoting because you really, your confidence is not high. You couldn't have been after that flip, I would imagine you, your confidence wasn't like flying high and you're like, I'm ready for the next venture. Let's, let's make this happen. Now you got there, but that had to take some soul searching on some level. And I know you just said about your faith and closer, getting closer to God, which I can tell you too. It's like, you have to be there, but so many women want to pivot, not just pivot from one business to another, but you pivoted when you were like, you had a really hard, tough situation. So you clearly found your place, which it sounds like is your, your capital raising. You must be really good with people. You know, you're probably really like relationship oriented. You're partnered with someone who's underwriting who then tells me they're operational. They're more of the analytical person. So it sounds like you didn't even have to tell me. I'm like, wow, that's a great person for you. That immediately. How can women listening to this and they're like, you know what? I've been doing these small multis. I want to get into larger stuff. How do they successfully pivot? Because that's a big concern of a lot of women we, we serve who are in our membership or in our community. They want to pivot, but they just don't have that confidence yet. How did you get that confidence, especially with what happened to you? Because you didn't just get the confidence and like have all the success. You were like down on your knees. Right and down. So was, how did you do it? How did yeah. you soul search and really set yourself up to succeed? Not just try something new, but to succeed. Yeah, I was really down. I mean, really down. And I also, um, it was my responsibility. You know, it was my fault. I had to take complete ownership of the whole thing. Nobody else did it. Um, I'm the one that lost the money and I had to pay it back. And that was my big driving. Like you have... And uh, I mean, I could say any, anybody can do it and well, anybody can learn. So you got to learn anybody can do it, but you, in order to do it, you have to have a huge motivating factor because this is really a self-disciplined field and you really need to want it. Um, no excuses. Um, I was like, I, I even had like a, a mindset, a mindset coach for a couple of months after that happened to kind of reset myself um, and get my thinking differently. So that it was only a few, a few months, but it was extremely helpful for me to um, pause and reflect and, and how can I approach things, life? What's my next plan? Um, why am I resisting being an agent, real, a real estate agent? It's, it, it's just, you know, because it wasn't, wasn't the path I should be taking. Um, so I just got, you know, you just got to pick yourself up from the bootstraps and be like, I have to do this. You know, I, I, I have to, and it just, I listened to a lot of motivational things. I would listen to like Les Brown, just stuff that would pick me up, um, while I was getting ready for the day, putting my makeup on, brush my teeth, I would have my iPhone in the bathroom and listen to YouTube motivational kind of things. Um, so, and now I'm, now I'm forgetting. Your no, I love that. You just gave a good, no, you just gave a great recipe. And I think we, we, 
Yes, you educated yourself. Yes, you got a mentor. And yes, you clearly focused on your strengths. That was clear. You did all those things. But you just said two things that I don't think most people do. They don't take responsibility for what happened. You didn't like, well, that contractor, I mean, we can all go there, right? I mean, I, we can tell you, oh, that person stole from me. Yeah, but what did I do? What did I contribute to? Like, so if you're not willing to do that, you can't pivot and I can't. It's going to be tough to pivot into something bigger and different, especially with partners, if you're not willing to take responsibility. And then you did something else. You really went, you went deep on yourself before you just jumped into something new. And I think, I think women can do that very easily. I think people do that very easily where they're just like, well, that didn't work, but this is going to work. And it's like, you just, just like when we're dating, right? Not that I'm not dating anymore because I'm married, but you know, you go to the person and then you're like, hold on. That seemed like to remind me of that other person, but that didn't work. It's the person. And then you were the next person. And then I was hearing that like, you know, motivational. And they're like, what's the constant in that? It's like, it's me, not them. So it's, you would have had the same experience, but you didn't because you really pivoted in a very mindful way. So it sounds like. So I just wanted to reiterate that to the woman listening, because I think that's critical if you're going to pivot in this business, especially into something different. So Andressa, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I just want to pick back on that. Here's why I want to emphasize this. This is why you do want to take responsibility for things that happen. I always say, if the project succeeds, great. If it doesn't, it's on me. Everything is on me at the end of the day. As the leader of the project, it's on me. So the reason why we want to first acknowledge that it's my responsibility, because if I don't do that, if I say, oh, it was X, Y, and Z's fault, then I'm out of control. I have no control of my future. If I take responsibility, I am in control of changing that. But if I, I blame Jose or whatever, Johnny, Mary, or whatever, for whatever they did, I cannot change them. So it's like a dependency. So the more that you take responsibility and stop and think, how did I contribute to this? Which is a very tough question because you, you are in like in a very like dark situation and you, you know, you're like, Andres, are you freaking kidding me right now? It's all in shambles and you were asking, how did I contribute? Yes. Because if you don't figure that out, and I think, Christine, you did a beautiful job seeking help on really understanding and getting clear, not just on your goals, but what you were resisting there. Because sometimes we continue resisting to things, but we don't even acknowledge or are aware of, of that. Yeah. And, and that means that we are, that's not your path. Yeah. So the quicker that we get to our path, things are going to start not easy, but it's not like turbulence. Does that make sense, Christine? It's totally not easy. Right. <laughs> if it were, everyone would be doing it, right? It's not That's right. easy. It, and you, uh, I, uh, I just want to say to be mindful that it's not easy. Yes. Going, going into it. And I do hope everyone fails one time because it's what makes you grow. Yeah. And, and build confidence and uh, get even achieve more than if you didn't. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't want everyone to do exactly uh, have my kind of failure because um, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But I do think um, learning from experiences just will project you farther. Yeah. I love it, Christine. It's been, it's been wonderful. Um, so much, so much wealth of knowledge to share. Uh, where can the women listening learn more about you and all the great things you're up to right now? Uh, sure. I mean, anyone can visit my web or our website, which is missionbaycp.com, Mission Bay Capital Partners. So it's missionbaycp.com. Um, my contact information is there or, um, Anyone can email me too. I can send them a link to our webinar. Um, and it's an educational webinar on um, touching base on underwriting, on the benefits of investing. So I can send that link out too. Um, and my email address is Christine with a K, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E at missionbaycp.com. Awesome. And all this information is going to be on our show notes. You guys can check it out.
Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one, Christine, is what's the most transformational book you have ever read? Well, wow. Okay. So I would say the most transformational book would have to be the one I saw in the backseat of the car. <laughs> I mean, it's a great book. So it was, I think it was an easy read. It was, I read it a long time ago, um, but it was uh, Donald Trump and Robert Kiyosaki, Why We Want You to Be Rich. But there are a lot, I just there's so many books. I've come away from reading about multifamily and I'm reading all about business um, books and and uh, life books and subconsciousness thinking and millionaire mindset kind of thing. Um, any old school stuff like Dale Carnegie or um, Richest Man in Babylon, like those are all solid, timeless books as well. Anything from Brian Tracy or Zig Ziglar. I love all that stuff. Mm -hmm. The second uh, question is, what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life? Hmm. Routine. Okay. Well, I, so routine, I think of, of action, of doing. Mm -hmm. So I do have a routine. Um, I do work out four to five mornings a week. Um, in the morning, yeah, in the morning, one of my first things, walk my dogs, you know, work out. Um, read. I like to carve out time to read um, every morning and do a little bit of meditation and then move on to my day. I, I do like to schedule as much as possible. Otherwise, I can get lost in email and have the email run my day versus me running it. Um, and then I think mindset or being intentional with everything that you do throughout the day so you, you can make the most of the day. And the last question is, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Mm -hmm. I'm sure many people have said this. Um, I would say Oprah Winfrey. I, I mean, I know she's like um, probably the most popular choice, but um, just from where she came from to where she is now, I think is inspirational because she's a self-made person. Um, and I cannot remember the name of the movie. There is a Netflix series. I think it was self-made. I think that's the name of it. Mm. And I don't remember the lady's name either off the top of my head. It's escaped me. Um, I just watched it in March. Um, it was about a woman who did hair products um, and her story. Like any story like, like that is so inspirational to me, how they come from nothing, and they're so determined, just their determination is so inspiring. I love it. I'm sure some listeners are like, I know, I know it. Um, <laughs> Olivia, I forget the woman's, the actress's name, but she's, I think her first name's Olivia, but mm -hmm. I could be off on that too. So I'm right there with you. I forget everything. Mm -hmm. um, Christine, thank you so much. This has been an amazing interview. Just thank you for sharing. Th thank you for sharing your authenticity and, and your realness. And because uh, I think that's, the most important thing. So we appreciate that so much. I'm sure the women listening also do. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.